Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Well, good morning, church. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It is good. It is good. I am super excited about this morning, but on the other end, I'm kind of a little bit sad about this morning because we today, God willing, we are going to close up our series today on the greatest message ever preached by the greatest preacher, Jesus, and it's the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, Jesus has given us this incredible, incredible text that we can really set our lives and set our gaze on to honor him and to honor others. Well, this morning, if we had to kind of give today a title for Jesus's final landing spot in this message, it would just simply be three words, and it would be final wise choices. Final wise choices. In fact, if you have a copy of the Bible today, if you've got an app, would you fire that up? Would you get with me to Matthew chapter 7? Matthew chapter 7, and we are going to jump into the second half of this chapter today. And I just want you to, in your mind, think about this. Jesus at this moment in the Sermon on the Mount, he is landing the plane. He's getting to his conclusion, and if I remembered anything from English class at all, is that your intro and your conclusion better be good. It better be good. It better wrap everything together, tie a bow around it, and send you out wanting to come for more. Well, think about this. Jesus is talking to all of these people. And he's getting to this final moment in this conversation, in this Sermon on the Mount. And he's doing something incredible with these guys. And their minds are blown. Because if you've been with us throughout this summer, or if you've ever read the Sermon on the Mount, you'll remember that these people had never heard what Jesus is saying. These things that they're having in their minds and being put into their lives, they go really countercultural. They're not something that our broken spirits would just come up with on our own. And their minds are blown. They're leaning in. They're hearing the final words of what Jesus has given on this message. And catch this, they're not even ready to fill in the last blank of their notes and leave during the invitation. They want to know what's happening. They're leaning into Jesus' final message. And Jesus has said a lot. If you remember back over the sermon of these three chapters, what we've been given by Matthew in the Bible is really just the executive summary, if you would. If you're old school like me, it's probably just the cliff notes. Or if you're new, it's the spark notes or whatever you're reading now. It's really what the Holy Spirit would have us dial into to be able to live what we've said every week, to to live this flourishing life, this life that God has offered to us. Now, that's an incredible statement. Because here's what I want you to really realize. We have spent nine weeks as of today walking through three chapters in the Bible. And we haven't covered everything. But what God has given us has absolutely had the chance to change our lives. Well, Jesus gets to this moment in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's drawing down this moment. And he's looking at you and he's looking at me and he's saying this, you have to make some decisions. 
You've got to make some calls. You've got to make some final, exclusive, wise choices. And he boils it down to this. That either you're going to make by living your life one way. Or you're going to make by just your life drifting another way. You see, here's what I know about you and me. We don't normally drift towards God. In our, in our hearts, we drift away from God. And so what Jesus at the end of this message is doing is he's given his readers and he's given us this command to point our eyes, to fix our focus, to set our gaze on who Jesus is. And I need you to know that this is not just a nudging from Jesus. We're not just inferring this. Jesus is commanding you. He's commanding me. He's commanding his readers that were under him, that were listening to him, that you need to make a decision you got to make a choice. But I want you to know this is not the first place in the Bible that this comes up. You see, if you go back to Joshua chapter 24, Joshua tells us real plainly in verse 15, hey, you need to choose, which, choose today. Choose which God you're going to serve. And in fact, in, in Proverbs chapter 1, it tells us that, that Solomon tells us that either you're going to choose the path of the righteous or you're going to choose the path of the wicked. You're going to choose one or the other, he says, Psalms 1, or Proverbs 15 says you're going to choose the way of the slacker or choose the way of the upright. But I love what God says in Deuteronomy 30. I put this on the screen for you. God says this. God says, hey, I've set before you life and death. I've set before you blessings and curses. Now God just says, choose life so that your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God. You may listen to his voice. You may hold fast to him. For the Lord is, is your life. So what we're seeing in Matthew 7 is that Jesus is, is taking this opportunity to drive this old truth home. And that truth is this. We can't live pleasing both sides. We just can't. And so Jesus draws this line in the sand and says, you're going to make a decision and it's going to set the course of your life here on this earth. But it's also, more importantly, it's going to set the trajectory for your eternity. That's what we're about to see. And so I just need you to know this morning, up front, that we're about to look at one of the heaviest and one of the most direct passages in the whole New Testament where Jesus looks at you and Jesus looks at me and says, listen, you can't live both ways. You can't. In fact, you need to make a decision. And by not making a decision, you're making a decision. Jesus gives us four choices I want to look at this morning in the text. Number one, Jesus says this. He says that you need to choose wisely your path. You need to choose wisely your path. What Jesus does in verse 13, in this final message of the Sermon on the Mount, is Jesus presents to us that, that on this path of life that we're on, there's really only two distinctions when you think about it. There is a wide path and that there is a narrow path. He says there's really only two directions. And those directions is the wrong direction or it is the right direction. And he really says that there's just two distinctions. And then the distinction is, is there is a path that leads us to destruction, but there's also, catch this, there's a path that leads us to life, to joyous life, to full life, to everlasting life, and that's the life that Jesus wants to give us. But when I say that, I know there's tension. 
I know there's tension because we've been conditioned not to think of things in absolutes. We've been conditioned to think of things that, that they don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. We've been conditioned to think that we can really and truly just remain on the fork of life and never choose a team. But Jesus today is about to show us that there is no universalist thinking in the Bible. It's just not there. And then Jesus is showing us that there is a direct and a distinct path, listen to me, that leads to specific places. Let's look at the text. So I want you to see the decision here when he says you got to choose your path. Look at it, verse 13. Jesus says this. He says, enter. All right, now that's a command. All right, that's a command. That doesn't mean come later. Jesus is saying, hey, you need to come now. Not when you get the wildness out of you. Not when you finally break up with that person. Not when you get the college out of you or you just want your kids to have a little Jesus later on. Jesus says, enter. Keep going. Through the narrow gate. Now, which gate is Jesus calling us to walk through? That's good. There's six of us that are on the same team here. Narrow. That's fabulous. We're going to get there. I'm telling you, we are. Narrow. He's calling us to enter the narrow gate. Keep going. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads us to destruction. And many enter through it. So how many people walk through the wide gate? Many. Many. We're there. Many. All right. Verse 14. But, But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. Now that life is the flourishing life. That's what we've been created to be. That's who we've been created to live. That is the fullness of how you can be a human being and a child of God. Keep going. But small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Only a few find it. Now, I want to take just a minute, and I want to show you and describe to you the two paths. Because the two paths are important. And you need all the information given to make the decision. What path are you going to walk on? The first path is the well-traveled road. It's the well-traveled road. And I want to describe it how Jesus described it. Jesus says that this road is broad. That this road, it is popular. That this road, it is beat down. That this road is incredibly attractive. That this road is where most people are walking. It is well-known ideologically. So if we're thinking about in our minds, this path, this, this wide path, is not narrow in its thinking. In other words, this wide path, it is open-minded, and it is all inclusive all right this path morally it's not restrictive this path says hey you can pretty much be who you want to be you can do what you want to do as long as that's where your heart is drawing you and it doesn't hurt anybody right this path spiritually when we look at this path the well-traveled it's it's inclusive of all thoughts and, and it's inclusive of not restricted in any behaviors as long as I'm not hurting anybody spiritually when we think about this wide path let me describe it how Jesus does he would say that that it's inclusive of all thoughts as long as they're from my heart and really those people that are on this path all right they would all look together and say that there's many ways on this path you can kind of go where you want to just look up the mountain and whether you're right or left or forward or backward eventually the grace of God this path would tell us that eventually you're going to all get to the right place 
But also, this well-traveled path, it's not a new path. I need you to feel this. It's an ancient path. It's been around for a long time. Actually, it's been around on this earth since Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we have God has created an incredible paradise for us to walk in. In a perfected earth, we are sinless. But there's only one thing he said don't do. But what did Satan say? He came and tempted. In Genesis 3.1, listen to what Satan said to Eve. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? This is where this path came from. You know why? Because at that moment, Satan said to Eve, hey, I know God said this, but really, isn't the path bigger than that? Can't you just kind of do this and when you feel like it, just kind of come back over here? You see, here's my heart in this. I want you to hear it. This wide, this well-traveled path, man, it looks beautiful from the outside looking in. It really does. And it looks like it would fulfill you But here's the problem with it. Those people that are on it don't realize the finality of it. And they don't realize what the destination of that path and where is it going to take them. That is the path well traveled. But the second path that Jesus tells us is it's the road less traveled. It's the road that's less traveled. Now, this path, this is the one of Jesus This is the road that not only leads to Jesus, but this is Jesus' road. This is the path that he's been describing all through the Sermon on the Mount. It's been all of five, Matthew chapter five and Matthew chapter six and the first part of seven, where Jesus has looked at you and he's looked at me and said, hey, there is a path to flourish and let me give it to you. What does the Bible say about this path? Look at it in verse 14 again. It says this, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only, it says, a few find it. Now, what does that mean? That means that this road that is less traveled, okay, I need you to hear that, less traveled, man, it has a really small opening, really small. Now, there's some people that say that it doesn't, but I'm gonna show you that the path that is less traveled, it has a really small opening. Isn't this what Jesus said in, in John 14, 6? For I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts four twelve is another example. Salvation is found in no one else, for there are no other name under heaven given to mankind, which we must be saved. Another example, how small the path is. 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God, there is one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus, who gave himself up as a ransom for all people. I just need you to feel it. There is a very small opening onto the path that leads to Jesus. Also on this path, this path is not only hard to get onto, are small to get onto, but this path is narrow once you get onto it. It's narrow. Well, Matt, you're not really talking people into anything. Not my problem. This is Jesus talking, right? You see, it sounds harsh, but once you get into the path through Jesus, right, this pathway does not, con- this pathway does not put into our minds that you can just do what you want to. This pathway is really confined and and, and here's what it means. It's not only exclusive, but it's restrictive. It's a restricted path. We're on a path to a place. And, and Jesus tells us right here that it's a difficult path. It's, it's hard. 
What does that mean? That means sometimes on the pathway that's narrow, there's suffering. Sometimes there's questions. Sometimes there's things that we don't understand. But listen, I just want you to know that it's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. What else does Jesus say about this narrow path? He says that only a few people find it. Only a few find it. Man, Matt, this is getting heavy. Wow, the doom and gloom. Well, look, you can either see this whole message as doom and gloom, or you can see it as an offer for true life. That's what he's given us. It's not gloom and doom. This leads, listen real closely, this narrow path leads to life. And it leads to life that the wide path will promise to give you, but it never will. It will always pull up short. It will always leave you. It will always turn on you. And the people that are on the wise path, they might look really good for a moment, but it ain't gonna last. It's not gonna last. Here's the piercing question. Which path are you walking on? Because there's only two. There's only two paths. Jesus has told us, choose wisely the path. Listen to me. You can't stand on both paths at the same time. Doesn't work. Number two, Jesus says this. Number two, Jesus says, choose wisely your earthly leaders and influences. Choose wisely those people that you let influence you and those people that you cling onto. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, the path matters, all right? Why? Because the narrow path is the one that leads to me. But it's not just the path. It's also who is it that is speaking into your life? Who is it that is influencing your life? And I love what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, you need to make sure the people that are influencing you are influencing you in the direction of the narrow path and not in the direction of the wide path. Well, Matt, how do I know? You're about to see it in just a minute because Jesus this answers it for me. Listen real closely to me. People influence us every day without us knowing it. You say, Matt, how do you know that? Listen to a two-year-old sing songs sometimes. They got no idea what they're talking about, but what's coming out of their mouth is like, oh my. It's the influence of the world. And I love what Jesus does here because I can almost in my sanctified imagination just dream, like think of Jesus just leaning in going, hey, sometimes those people look really, really good, but just give it time. Just give it time. But this is not a new message. Jesus talks about this later on. In Matthew 23, Jesus says, hey, there's false messiahs and false prophets. They're gonna appear and they're gonna perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. In other words, even those inside the church who know Jesus. But here's the question. Who is influencing you and how do you know when they're influencing you? Well, Jesus answered it. But I need you to know when he talks about false prophets, he's not talking about somebody walking around with a staff and a robe, right? Right? He's talking about all influences that are in our lives. In fact, look at what Jesus does right here because he tells us how to identify false prophets. Look at verse 15. He says this. He says, watch out. That's the second command, right? The first one was to enter. Now he's saying watch out. Watch out. In other words, be on your guard for false prophets. Then look what Jesus says. He says they come. They come. The question is not, will they come? We've already answered that. Yes, they will. The question is, how will these false prophets come? They never come telling you the whole story. They never come with your interests at best. They never come in the daylight. They never come when things are going well. And they're going to look good. Watch what he says right here. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. 
But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. In other words, they might look like a, like a poofy little, no harm sheep that is useful for a lot of things. But inside of those people, all they will do when given the chance is devour you. They'll devour you. That's what Jesus is saying. I love in this because Jesus does about three things here in this text, kind of knowing some of the history. I mean, the first thing he kind of does is he looks at this and goes, hey, false leaders, they always look like sheep. They always look harmless and they always just look like, oh, look at that. I want to pet it. I want to be with it. I want to just snuggle up to it, right? He also is looking at the Pharisees at this moment out of the corner of his eyes because they would only wear pure wool. And he was looking over at him going, hey, and those guys. But third, he's given us an incredible principle here. And, and I want you to write this down. He's telling us that we've got to get beyond the external facade of people. And we've got to start examining where their heart is pointing us towards. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, you can look at people all the time. You can be drawn to people. They can be the most put together, incredibly beautiful life ever. But if their heart is not pointing you towards Jesus, then they are a false prophet. They're a false prophet. It's what Jesus says. But how do I know who they are? Verse 16, he answers the question, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes, grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Verse 20, thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. How do we recognize the evil influences in our life? Fruit. Is it something that is pointing us to Jesus or is it something that is pointing us away from Jesus? It is incredibly clear. I love how D.A. Carson says it. He says this, and I quote, the false prophet is anyone who does not advocate the narrow way presented by Jesus. Now pay close attention because what is it asking us to do? It's asking us to test every information that is given to us through the lens of scripture. It's asking us to test every leader that is in front of us through the lens of what Jesus would have us do and who Jesus would have us be. It's asking us to test every word in the light of who Jesus is and what Jesus has called us to do. This is why every single week you will hear come out of my mouth standing right here. Take out your Bibles, fire up your apps, compare everything. I beg you to compare every single thing that is said from this place in the light of Scripture. Compare it, but I also beg you, listen to me closely, to compare everything anyone else says to you in the light of Scripture. And if it doesn't line up, run. Why? Because it may look fluffy, but it's a wolf. It's a wolf. It's what he's saying. Choose wisely. Who is speaking into your lives? Eventually, they will turn on you. They're going to turn on you. I promise you, there's two things about false teachers that Jesus says here. The first one is, is he says that they will eventually be detected. They'll eventually be detected. If you know this, you have followed people in your life that eventually you've seen like, ah, oh, man. They'll eventually be detected, and it's either by the scriptural test or the practical test, doctrinal test or practical test, one, of the, one way or the other. But he also says that these false teachers will eventually be destroyed. And I know that doesn't sound real sensitive, but it's just the path they're on. That's where it leads them. 
They can't help it. It's just where they've chosen to walk. Look at verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Let me just be as honest and sincere as possible. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Not only that, what influences are just oozing into your life? What is Jesus saying? We gotta choose wisely. Choose wisely. Who? Number three, he not only says choose your path, choose the narrow path, choose your influence pointing towards Jesus, but number three, he says this, these two are shorter, I promise you. He says, choose wisely your Lord. Choose wisely your Lord. Listen to me, you have a Lord in your life. The question is who? The question is, who is the Lord? This is such a massive theme all the way through the Bible, right? The whole Old Testament points towards the Lordship of Jesus. The whole Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, point towards us watching Jesus, learning from Jesus. The epistles, all of the letters are pointing back to the Lordship of Jesus. I love what Adrian Rogers says about the Lordship of Jesus. He says, you don't make him Lord. You don't make Jesus Lord. He's already Lord. You just recognize it. Man, I love that. Some of us think we have the audacity to name him Lord. He is Lord whether we name it or not. That's what he's saying right here. So just identify your life connected to him. But let's see what, Matt, let's see what Jesus says about this lordship decision. But listen, I'm just going to warn you now. You thought the week on judging was rough? Get ready for what's about to happen. Because we're about to step into some waters here that some of you are going to have a problem with because I know that there are people listening to this message that are not sure if they believe or not that one day that people are going to be separated from God. There are people listening to that. And if they do believe it, they believe it will only be the most grotesque sinners on this planet. But listen, I need you to hear and I need you to feel what Jesus is saying. And then I want to read what Jesus is saying, okay? What Jesus is saying right here is there is so many people out there that have said the word Jesus, that have identified who Jesus is. There are so many people out there that have even said that he is Lord and even done things in his name that are not going to end up being with Jesus for eternity. Now on one side, that is an incredibly scary message, but I want you to hear how Jesus says it right here. Look at verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many of you, scariest verse to ever preach in the Bible, just be honest, many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles? Verse 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. One of the most haunting verses in the whole Bible is verse 22 and 23. Why? Because the question is not, do I know Jesus? The question is, does Jesus know me? That's the question. See, this completely flips the script on easy believism. <laughs> and it looks at you and it looks at me. Here's the, here, I want you to write this down. It looks at us and gives us this principle. We can profess Jesus as Lord without knowing Jesus as Lord. The result is shown by a transformed and obedient life. 
That's exactly what it says. You, Matt, what do you mean by that? I, the Bible tells me to, to confess Jesus as Lord and I'm saved. No, no, you missed the second half of the verse. It says confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. That belief is an active beliefism which you are purified, you are forgiven, and Christ is now your king. This is what he told us right here in the text. Check it out in verse 21. Only the ones who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Who are the ones who does the will of the Father? Those are the ones who have absolutely submitted their lives to the Lordship of Jesus, and he has washed them clean. He has forgiven them. He has given them new life. These aren't people that just recognize who Jesus was walking down the road. These aren't people who just happen to be at church on Easter or Sunday, or even listening to a message on the Sermon on the Mount. These are people who come to a point in their life where they realize their brokenness, they realize that he is the Savior, and I have submitted control and the forgiveness of my sins onto the man named Jesus. Look at the last verse, verse 23. Look at how he describes these people. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Let me give you an incredible truth I want you to hang your life on. God will never call his children evil. Why? They've been washed. So don't look at this as gloom and doom. It's not, because what has God done right here? He's offered us kingship. He's offered us to become his. He's telling us right here, make me, make me the Lord. and You will walk with me. You see, when we read this through a carnal mindset, we see this as one of the most divisive, one of the most harsh, one of the most difficult texts ever. But when you see this as an escape, no one ever complains about being gifted an escape. That's what he's done. Here's the question, who's your Lord? Do you know about Jesus? Or do you know Jesus? Here's the fourth one, it's real quick. Choose wisely your foundation. Choose wisely your foundation. What does Jesus do here? I love it. Because Jesus begins to talk about what we're building our lives on. And he basically looks at us and says, look, you can build your life on money and you can build your life on dreams and family and love and all this stuff, but that's not it. He jumps into the story about these two men and these two men are strikingly similar in the story right here. They both heard the same message. They both heard the same gospel. They built, both built essentially the same house around the same place. They both built a nice house. But the problem is the only thing that differentiated between the two of them is what they built the house on. It all looked the same until something happened. Watch this, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and it beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew. Catch this, same looking house, same storm, same message, but it fell with a great crash. Now we know the great crashes, right? Life events, deaths, divorces, job loss, cancers, but that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the final storm. In other words, here's the deal. Unless our foundation is built on the lordship of Jesus Christ, we will not stand in the end. That's what Jesus is saying. Now look, I get it. This is heavy. This is heavy. We can view it 
through a, that is the most dog-minted thing. That is the most harsh thing I've ever seen. You have the right to do that. Or you can look at it as the most generous offer that has ever been made to you. You see the difference? People all the time are like, that is so harsh. <laughs> I think it's one of the most beautiful offers ever made. Why? I remember when our kids were young, when they took off towards the road, what would you do in their lives to stop them from getting into that road? You would run, you would scream, you would holler, you would tackle them if need be. What is Jesus doing? He's doing the same thing. Why? Because when I, my kids were young and I did that, I could see things from a different perspective than they could see things, right? What is Jesus, the maker of the heavens and the earth, doing for us in this passage? He's looking at all time and all places and all people, and he's saying this to us. You don't understand. You don't understand. Get on the narrow path. Make me your Lord. Make me your foundation. Because I know what's coming. I don't know about you, but I want the one on my team that knows what's coming. That's what Jesus is saying. Matt, it just seems to me, I, I know it, it's coming this week from somebody. It just seems to me that Jesus is trying to scare the hell out of people. Well, maybe, maybe on one side. Don't clap for that. Don't, no, no, don't give me, don't, no. We don't got time for that. We got to go. Maybe, but maybe we flip it the other way and say we would be so much more frightened if we could see how he sees. And we would be so much more willing if we could see what he sees. What does he see? He sees a small entry into a narrow path that leads to an incredible place where he is our foundation. He has grabbed us as our Lord. And listen, it is no longer up to this guy. This guy. Here's the question this morning. I'm just gonna put it on the table. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you settled the Lordship decision? Have you? I can't talk you into it. I can't talk you out of it. That's the Spirit's job. But here's what I can do. I can make the offer. I can make the offer. Listen to me, boys. I can make the offer. And here's the offer. Do you need Jesus today? Do you need him today? Right now. Say, man, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Here's how you do that. Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you to come into my life and forgive my sins and be mine. And be mine. And I'll be yours. And we'll walk together on a foundation that you have provided. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, today I fully realize that that we fall here into the category of the many people and the few people. And God, that, that's what keeps me up at night as, 
as a leader of this place, that there are people that are here that don't 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt know that they know that they know that you are in their lives and that they've surrendered their lives to you. You know, with your head's bowed this morning, I just want to ask you something. Is that you? Have you played the church game long enough? But maybe today, through a different light, something in your heart is drawing you to go, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I just need to make sure that he's mine. I want to be one of the few. Hey, look, nobody's looking around today, but this is just what I want to ask you. If today you want to make that decision to make sure that he is your Lord, would you do me something? Do me this favor. Would you just raise your hand wherever you're at? Nobody but me is looking. Had a lot in the last service that said, yeah, I need Jesus. I need to make sure that he is my Lord. That's what this passage is about. Is that you? Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray you. Okay. Who else? All right. Who else? I just want to drive that in. I see you. Who else? Any others? All right. Come on. Yep. Keep going. Who else? This is big. This is eternal. It's not something I'm talking you into. This is something Jesus is saying. This is the path you need to walk. Listen, if that's you, I just quite simply in your spirit just want you to say this to the Lord. Lord, come into my life. I know you're the Savior. Recognize that you have died for my sins. Forgive me and be mine. Be mine. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Listen, if you're online with us, we just ask you to reach out to the next steps. But I just want everybody to look at me for a minute. If that was you, in just a minute, we're going to stand up. We're going to have some time of worship. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. This is going to be bold. I get it. It's bold. It's not where we've been for a long time. I'm going to ask you just wherever you're at to get up, to walk however you need to, to get right over here to this next step sign. And I want you to look at the person that's standing there and just say this to them. I just met Jesus for real. And they'll do everything else. They want to pray with you. They want to encourage you. They want to talk to you. This matters for the rest of you. Maybe you need to look at your foundation, your path, and who's influencing you this morning. This is what the rest of this time is for. But look, for those of you that gave your life to Jesus, now's the time to test the Lordship. He's not Lord if you're not willing to walk at some point in your life. Lord, walk with us, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Those of you who made that decision, come on, let's talk. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burnt Hickory app.